1: This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
0: Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the game changers and be very innovative, you are in the right place. The buzz today? Dictionary, please. What is she talking about? Well, everywhere you look, come on, every second sentence, at least in the business world, every second sentence, every PowerPoint slide, every blog, every news item in every industry around the world is talking about digital. That's right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven little letters, (laughs) big, powerful word. What exactly is digital? We just bandy it about. We just throw it around. We just talk about it. But what does it mean for you, for your company, whether you're an owner, a manager, a leader, an employee, somebody who's just starting a company, and perhaps even most important, what does it mean to your customers? We want to talk about what the changes that digital is bringing help redefine what a customer is here's a reality check for everyone out there in a perfect future you will better pamper and delight your customers but it's a question mark in Enigma if you don't know who and where they are what and want they expect in this, digital economy. There's the word again. I have three veterans of Game Changers Radio on the show with me today. Very, very happy to greet them. One of them is formerly 26 years at SAP and recently started his own company. And if you can guess who it is, you're very, very smart. Here, here we go. I'm happy to welcome Michel Serrier from InnoLifters. That's his new company. He's the founder and he's helping companies integrate innovative capabilities into how they operate so they can achieve customer adaptiveness. That's a mouthful. And Michelle has sent me a a very, very interesting quote from Jack Ma. Those of you not sure who Jack Ma is, his Chinese name is Ma Yun, Y-U-N. He is a Chinese business magnate and philanthropist, the founder and executive chairman of the Alibaba Group, a family of success internet-based businesses, and Jack Ma, at age 51, is already worth $22.5 billion, according to Forbes. Here's the quote. I'm not a tech guy. I'm looking at the technology with the eyes of my customers, normal people's eyes. Great quote. Michel Serrier, with your new hat on, how are you, and how is InnoLifters?
2: Um, 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 Thanks for having me again. Uh, Bonnie and I'm doing a very I'm doing very fine for now. Uh, the time will show if if it was a wise decision, uh, but um, and if I can get as successful as Jack Ma. <laughs>
0: we'll 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 let you have a couple of years to catch up. He's only a 22.5 billion and he's 51, so you know you you still have some time. You're still a young man. So tell me, Michelle. Uh, how did you pick this quote from Jack Motts? It's very interesting and it's very telling. So, what does this mean to our topic today? Trying to figure out what in the world digital really means.
2: Because the thing is, we, we, we uh, as you said, you, you, we have this word digital or innovation in every second sentence, and in every slide, and even every article, even on the buses here in Germany, you, uh, you see that that word everywhere. And the uh, um, the point is actually that it. it becomes uh, commodity, and that technology uh, doesn't is the mean to achieve everything, but it's only the mean. It's not the aim, and uh, and the only way you can actually make sure that you're going to uh, to do something wise in this digital world is actually by looking at it through the eyes of your customers, and those customers are uh, like me when I use my car. I don't really care what is happening underneath the hood as long as it doesn't make the, the does do the normal sound and (laughs) that's what what Jack Ma means I think uh, with his normal people's eyes
0: Interesting, Michelle, and uh, thank you for that. I want to just let our listeners know that we're talking about today, our topic is digital evolution. There's the D word, but we're going to morph this and lead this into new opportunities for customer intimacy. So we're not just defining who the customer is, where to find them, what they want, how to give them a better experience, but we're actually calling it customer intimacy. You want to just define that for me quickly, Michelle, before I introduce the rest of the panel, please?
2: Customer intimacy is um, mm-hmm. to me. It's if I want to reduce it in one word, then it's basically trust. It's being ah. very close to uh, uh, to someone, and it's being more than just a vendor. It's be it's become a, a partner, uh, someone the customer can trust. It's for me, for example, I'm i maybe going. I'm sometimes also buying my television not um, in a in a supermarket, but rather in the small shop which is close to uh, to, to, to where I live because maybe I'm going to pay it 100 euros more than what I would get it in the supermarket, but then I know that if I have a challenge with my television, then I know that this person is then going to be there for me and, uh, and support me. And that's, to me, uh, what you want to achieve with uh, customer intimacy. And in the world today, this is not getting any, any easier.
0: Thank you very much. I like that. And we're going to turn to our second panelist. And, uh, Michelle, again, welcome back. This is a series you started with me a couple of years ago. We're in Season 2, and I hope we're going to be able to renew for Season 3. And now let's turn to Marco Cigaina. Anybody looking for him online, it's C-I-G-A-I-N-A. He is a Program Manager in Services Innovation at SAP. Marco has sent me a very interesting quote from somebody or a, an organization who's never been quoted on our show before. It's the Rotman School of Management at the University of Toronto. Let me tell you a little bit about them. Uh, the Rotman School, just called Rotman, R-O-T-M-A-N, is the University of Toronto's graduate business school located in downtown Toronto. But an interesting fact, the faculty, 72% of which is international, is currently ranked ninth in the world For it by the Financial Times for its research output. Out of 113 faculty members, 98% have doctorates. And Roger Martin, who was the school's dean from 1998 till recently 2013, is considered by Business Week as one of the most influential management thinkers in the world. The school has developed a curriculum built around his concepts of business design and integrative thinking. Here's the quote Marco sent. Integrative thinking, the ability to constructively face the tensions of opposing models, and instead of choosing one, generating a creative resolution, a new model, superior to each. That's a concise version. Marco, welcome back. How are you?
3: Hi, Bonnie. Uh, I'm doing very well,
0: thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the interesting quote. How about integrative thinking in our topic of digital, our topic of customer intimacy? Why don't you put this all together for me?
3: Well, let me let me explain. Um, well, if digitalization is uh, fundamentally uh, the use of digital computing technology to change a business model, uh, you, you can see that there are two components here: business on the one side and technology on the other side. And uh, the point is that digitalization requires to integrate different point of views, uh, and and then. Basically, business has its own mindset and models, and technology has different mindsets and models. And, and what I believe what digital requires is exactly this uh, integrative thinking, so the ability to go beyond one language or another language, but basically to do a, a synthesis of the two, and then to think uh, business through digital and, and think digital uh, in, in business terms. That's why I think uh, integrative thinking is truly relevant for for digitalization.
0: Thank you, Marco. That very interesting. It dovetails with what, uh, with the quote that Michelle Serrier sent us from Jack Ma. Very, very interesting. Thank you very much. And let's bring on our third panelist, Alejandro Pifare, Chief Principal at the SAP Global Services Innovation Team. And Alejandro, uh, who is, is, as I said, all three guests are veterans of this show and of SAP Radio, game changers, and they are game changers. Here's a quote from Andy Grove, full name Andrew S. Grove. If you're, think he sounds familiar. He is the former COO, chairman, and CEO of Intel, uh uh-huh. He's a Hungarian-born American businessman, engineer, and author, and here's a little trivia, not so trivial, about Andy Grove. He has been called the guy who drove the growth phase of Silicon Valley. Steve Jobs, when he was considering returning as Apple CEO, called Andy Grove, who was someone he idolized, for Andy's personal advice. One source notes that by his accomplishments at Intel alone, Andy Grove merits a place alongside the great business leaders of the 20th century. Okay, the quote is just four words, but it packs a punch. Here we go. Only the paranoid survive. Alejandro, welcome back to Game Changers. How are you?
4: Very well. Happy to be back in your show, Bonnie.
0: Thank you. Talk to me about this quote. Is Andy Grove one of your heroes?
4: Uh, I, I admire him a lot. He's one of the, I would say, the Major figures in management for for the 20th century, you can say that. But I, I like the concept of the of the quote, and it it was relevant when it was at that time, and is even more relevant now. Uh, the digital wave, you can say that is has been disrupting many industries. Uh, and the point I want to make is, you cannot wait. You cannot wait till the Disruption hits you to react, because mm-hmm. if you wait at that moment, it's too late. So my my point is, you need to move ahead. You need to respond in advance, and if you have not in trouble yet, use that time to be engaged in the digital movement, because it's not an option. It will happen. That's more or less the code.
0: Mm-hmm. How paranoid do we have to be? Let's let's put this on uh, Michel Serrier starting a new business. How paranoid does he need to be to understand how to make it all come together and how to be a success? Any uh, advice for him, Alejandro, based on this quote? <laughs>
4: mm, okay, it's difficult to make a, a comment because uh, we know know Michel very well. Yes, uh, and I'm confident he will succeed uh, in his uh, new adventure. Uh, but basically, it's not it's not be too comfort. And and I, if I remember the context of, of Andy Grove's comment, he said that basically success is the problem. When you're doing well, you think that you will continue doing well. And this is the time we need to think uh, about what is coming next. But Michel is a completely different state. He's building, so he will be alert anyway. So at this time... Uh, paranoia for Michel is not it, I guess.
0: Michel, any comments back? I think he wished you well. No, so it, <laughs>
4: You
2: know, first of all, the, the Marco and Alejandro know me very well. But uh, it, it is true that uh, even in in the different roles I have had at SAP, it's uh, there is a phase where you build up and where you build things up, where you are alert anyway. It it becomes a different story, and it's uh, it's a lot more complex. When when you are basically in a cruising mode, and where you and you're doing well, and then you you really need to it's it's difficult to think that uh, what is going well today is going to disappear tomorrow, um, or always to uh, um, we see it with customers. We I was at a customer and with Alejandro we were discussing it. Actually, we were running a, a viability workshop for people creating companies in Berlin three days ago. Mm-hmm. And we were telling the ladies that were in that workshop that actually the, the business model that they build and they document, uh, which they put on the wall is not something they should do just as a one-off exercise and then just forget about it. It should be a living document, which every day they're, um, questioning again. And this is also something that, uh, that, that, that big companies, small and big companies need to do all the time, but you need it a bit less when you're still in a, in a build-up mode because, uh, because it's still, a normal way you would uh, you, you, you would manage things it becomes different when you're uh, as i said in a in a cruising altitude
0: mm. okay, thank you very much interesting and Michelle, while I have you, it's time for me to ask you a key question what's in your cup today? Anything new and exciting now that you're a business owner business founder tell me and where are you calling from, and what time of day is it
2: It is uh, quarter past four, and I'm sitting in my in my um, in my office, in at home, um, in Germany, in Heidelberg, and uh, and actually what I'm what I'm having in my in my cup is some things that I discovered last week. Not that the, the, the drink is now a week old, uh, but I uh, um, I was in Asia last week, and then I, I bought some teas which which I never never drank before. And uh, mm-hmm. um, a colleague of mine uh, helped me to choose those, and uh, now I'm basically, basically every day testing, uh, testing a new tea that I didn't, that yet you cannot find in Europe, uh, but which which they do a lot in Asia, which we bought in Malaysia a week ago.
0: Very nice. Is there a name to this new tea? Anything we could go look for in the store?
2: I can send you afterwards the name if you want, but it's written in uh, Chinese characters. So I'll take a
0: picture. It <laughs> Not going to happen on my keyboard. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Drink up and let's go to Marco Chicana. Where are you calling from, Marco? And what's in your cup today or what are you planning to drink later?
3: <laughs> I'm calling from Milan, Italy. Uh Italy is a good place for coffee, I I guess. Uh, it's currently same time, so quarter past uh, past four PM. Uh, I had before a, a office coffee machine uh, coffee, but I, I'm not so satisfied. So we have to take a better one uh, when I leave the office uh, or 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 later, because um, I'm a bit passionate about coffee, and uh, in the office you cannot find really a, a good one, a good Italian one.
0: Okay, uh, thank you very much. And Alejandro Pifare, where are you calling from? What time is it? And what's in your cup?
4: I'm calling from Berlin. It's a bit more later than 4 p.m. Um, I, I am in the tea thing, but a, a bit more classical than Michelle, I will say. Mm-hmm. I, I have something like a schedule. In the morning, I drink English breakfast. After lunch, I drink green tea. Mm -hmm. And in the afternoon, I am an Earl Grey person. So I have my schedule. They tea schedule for the day.
0: And what was the third one in the afternoon? I didn't catch that. What did you say?
4: Earl Grey.
0: Oh, Earl Grey. Okay. One of my favorite. I'm a big fan of Earl Grey. Sometimes they put some notes of lavender, I think, into Earl Grey. Have you ever had that kind of Earl Grey that's almost a floral scent? Do you know what I'm talking about?
4: If, if, If you put lavender, it's not Earl Grey. It's something else. Come on, they. But they do. <laughs> when you go, it's, sometimes I go to the to the tea place in a restaurant, a hotel, and I, I was just I'm just looking for black tea. I cannot find them. They have flowers, with fruits, with.
0: Whatever. I know. So, uh, I know. My yes, it's a that bit
4: more classical.
0: And sometimes when I go to a restaurant, they give me you know. And I just looked it up, and Earl Grey with Lavender is all over the Internet. Loose Leaf Lady, Lavender Black, Lavender Earl Grey, Lavender (coughs) Earl Grey, Organic Earl Grey with Lavender, Lavender Earl Grey Tea Leaves, Revolution Black Tea with Lavender. My goodness. So, yeah, we're going to have to tell them to go back to being purists and very classical, Alejandro. You and I are going to tell them that. Uh, I'm drinking water, as everybody knows, because they don't let me have caffeine on radio shows days, and we already know why. We have a very lively panel here, three very interesting gentlemen, and our topic is digital evolution, new opportunities for customer intimacy. We're focusing on definitions of the word digital. I think we've already covered that well, and now we're going to focus on customer intimacy, which Michelle Serrier, now the founder of InnoLifters, has defined as trust. That's a very, very interesting concept. Customer intimacy is trust. We're going to dive into that more when we come back. So, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. We'll be right back in 60 seconds. You can count them. Justin out.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Innovating Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.graham at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers.
0: That's exactly what we're doing, innovating innovation. Topic today is Digital Evolution, New Opportunities for Customer Intimacy. I'm speaking with Michelle Serrier, formerly 26 years with SAP, now the founder of InnoLifters, I-N-N-O-L-I-F-T-E-R-S, and Marco Chagaina and Alejandro Pifare, both still at SAP. I don't know, maybe they're going to jump ship and join Michelle if he gets to be a multi-billionaire and he can afford to hire them. We really don't know the answer to that. Time will tell. Michelle Serrier, Hey, we're Don't
4: take me wrong, <laughs> but I already have three of for Michelle. I think I need a vacation for a while.
0: Then we will- <laughs> oh. Too much fun. We're going to start the roundtable now with Michelle. We've already defined customer intimacy as trust. I have a comment from you in your notes, Michelle, that is a perfect segue, I think, from there to where we want to go. You say, I believe customer intimacy is not something you achieve. It's something you are earned and the best case scenario is when a new competitor comes calling knock 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 ring 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 tweet 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 facebook facebook linkedin linkedin and they're trying to get your customers to go to them the best scenario is your customers say "Uh, uh, uh, i want to stay with the company i'm already with because they like doing business with you so michelle talk to us customer intimacy isn't something you achieve it's something you earn how do we earn it talk to us
2: I, I think it's uh, um, it's uh, like we went through. a, am going to try to find the best metaphor, but we um, it's something it's, we we went through a process which is like a bit of a bell curve. So in the sense that we um, we we went from something which uh, we we used 50, 70 years ago to do um, deals with handshake, um, and I learned by creating the company, by the way, in Germany that. Uh, uh, if you don't create a, a legal form in Germany for your company, then uh, when you shake hands with someone, and this is like doing a deal um, 100 years ago. Um, and I have not yet created a, um, a legal form, so I don't shake hands with anyone anymore um, at this point in time. <laughs> I'm just joking. Okay. Um, so the <laughs> the thing is, and then we, we moved to something where we, we, we were um, uh, using uh, more and more a sales force, uh and sales transaction to um, to sell this is not going everyone believes that now because the digital age is coming we this is going to change and uh, digital is going to be everything um even if you take um topics like blockchain uh which uh, uh bitcoin is based on then then everything is going to happen virtually and we're not going to meet people in, anymore just because we're in the in a digital era but I think this would be a fundamental mistake. In Customer intimacy was important, uh, was a, a bit less important maybe the, less, the, the last 10, 15, 20 years, but it's going to be more and more important now, especially as uh, Marco was putting it at the beginning. It's actually um, if you want to leverage digital in the best way, which is going to help you, by the way, to increase your customer intimacy, then you also need to make sure that you, have the, you identify very well who are your customers? And this is only something you can do by knowing your customers and you can only know your customers if they open up, I'm going to say. And this is something that takes time. Um and and having time or taking time to know a customer is something which is not always very easy to do in a world which is quarterly oriented. And this is how you um to me you move from uh, you achieve Customer intimacy by by really investing in your customers, spending time with your customers, really understanding well what they do, what they want, and being then able to uh, um, to gain that trust from the customer, which is going to um, to help you. Sometimes, even though you may not have the best solution, the customer is still going to remain with you. Um, like I I do where I bought my television, because I get the the, the better service.
0: Michelle, quick question before we bring in your co-panelists on this. Does trust, in terms of customer intimacy, trump or supersede value and price? What if price becomes an issue? Does this trust and this established customer intimacy go down the tubes and they will turn to the better priced company? What happens then? How do you fight that? Just a quick comment, and I'm going to ask, of course, Marco and Alejandro to join us. What do you think?
2: I think that when, you, when you're facing, I think in the long run, trust trumps price, as long as obviously the difference is not 200%. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do believe that trust uh, can help you to, uh, um, how do you say that, um, kind of balance uh, differences that you can have in price because this trust is there and the fact that you have a common history together.
0: Thank you. Marco, join us. What do you think? Well, uh, Bonnie, I think, uh, I
3: think, um, uh, the key perspective here probably that we need to introduce is the customer journey. So uh, the matter mm-hmm. is you need to look uh, with the eyes of the customer, right? So when you start doing that, everything suddenly becomes clear. And digital is a lot actually about looking at the whole, um, customer life cycle. I mean, there is a phase where the customer, um, don't even know that uh, he has a certain need, uh, but then he realized that. Uh, then uh, afterwards he associates uh, this need to your company. Afterwards he has to evaluate uh, your offering versus the competition. Then there is a time to buy, a time to to get the product or the service, a, the time to use it, the time to get support, even the time to dismiss um, whatever product you get. So if you if we take this 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 perspective, the end-to-end customer journey, then uh, I think it becomes very clear uh, what, uh, what is the contribution of digital and, or what is the, let's say, the new context that digital sets. Uh, and because along this, this customer journey, there are a lot of opportunities to to optimize the information flow. To to identify ways to get closer to the customer, understand better uh, how the product or the service is is leveraged. Uh, And so you you find a lot of opportunities actually to to differentiate uh, your company from the competition. So, uh, and another consideration I would have is that uh, um, I think we are used uh, in the past to see this kind of end to end customer. Uh, experience, customer journey, customer flow, from the point of view of a um, producer uh, to a point uh, to and uh, the point of view of a of a consumer. But I think in in this um, this new age, somehow uh, we have to take into consideration different roles of the customer. The customer can be a buyer, can be a user, can be a co-producer, can be a resource, even a product if you want. <laughs> when you the data coming from customer, So I think um, this gives us a, a key perspectives on, on, on this matter.
0: Thank you very much. Alejandro, thoughts?
4: Uh, I think that always happen with new trends or new ideas. Uh, every, everything becomes digital. Digital is a new thing. And everything has to be digitalized. And uh, with customer relationships, it's not just the case, you, you have a few companies who have only digital connection with the customers or users, <clears throat> but most of the other companies will still continue do, doing business. You cannot eat digital food. You cannot wear digital clothes. You just need to buy stuff and consume stuff. The, the key thing is when you add digital capabilities to the current customer experience, it gets much, much better, much powerful, and the growth is not just one-to-one, it's exponential. So I think companies have huge opportunities, as Marco was saying, during the customer journey, eh, to improve what they do. It's not about doing something completely new in many cases, but it's basically what they do in a more effective and more uh, engaging way with the customers. That's my call.
0: Thank you. Michelle? thoughts on what we started with you
2: no i think uh, uh both marco and alejandro completed very well what i was uh what i, what I uh what i was saying it's uh um, i i mean to to close the loop i mean to to um in the end what you want to reach to is trust and this is going to enable you to uh to deliver and again and an again and again on the uh on the expectation that you want to have with your customers if you have the the proper approach, uh, going through all the steps that Marco was listing from uh, from the first contact you have until the, even the fact that you need to recommend to a customer to dismiss uh, maybe that product and replace it with something different.
0: Okay. I'm going to introduce what may be a little monkey wrench into this conversation here. I'm curious because I did a show on Coffee Break with Game Changers yesterday. We were talking about Millennials what they mean in terms of buying power in terms of decision making and I believe somebody told me that Millennials are now making up 40% of the workforce and they are in leadership roles and they are making a lot of decisions higher and higher level decisions so if we don't if you don't mind uh, Marco and Alejandro and Michelle spinning this into what if you're dealing we're talking b2b what if you're talking to a, a manager who is making a buying decision from you perhaps Michelle with your new company or Marco and Alejandro with SAP, and that person is a millennial, and they're thinking. Mm, value and price. And I don't know, maybe I don't like the person who's doing the selling. And well, I'm a millennial, so I've done 80% of my customer journey before I even spoke to a salesperson or a representative or a business owner. How do you build trust with a new generation whose value structure may be very different from what all three of us consider, all four of us consider to be the typical buyer is there. A, is there a new typical buyer, Michelle? Can you address that, and then I'll ask everybody if you don't mind.
2: Yes, I, I, what I what I would say is that I think we we live more and more, and this is also true for me, despite the fact that I'm uh, probably twice a millennial. Um, but the fact that actually, for example, I used to use the, um, the the Michelin Guide when it when it came ten years ago to uh, to select restaurants,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and now. Uh, the Michelin, for example, missed the opportunity to uh, to leverage digital. So now you have things like TripAdvisor, which mm-hmm. is actually um, helping you to uh, to choose restaurants. So wherever I go, I'm looking at what are other people recommending. So the, I'm, I have the trust in the community.
0: Ah, uh, trust I'm, in and the I'm community. to mm-hmm. do
2: so. Yes, and the same there... thing is happening with wine. Yeah, we. Yeah. There are the if you. I'm. I mean, I'm also. Uh, I'm also having a. a vineyard, and uh, we sell that, that wine through normal channels, like uh, mm-hmm. it was done 100 years ago, and through supermarkets and so on. But now you're, you're also seeing a new competition, which is uh, small apps like Vivino, where you basically take a picture of the wine you're just um, tasting in a restaurant, and for everyone going regularly to restaurant or even occasionally to restaurant, you know that sometimes you test, you, you're drinking a wine you like and every time you leave the restaurant or the day after, you can't remember what, the, what it was, and so you cannot buy it again. And so mm-hmm. the, you, know, you can take a picture, but you can send it to that application, and that application works a bit like TripAdvisor, but for wine. And if someone yeah. drank that wine before, then there will be a recommendation on that wine. Was it good? And so on. And the app added recently to it the fact that you can order the wine through them. Wow. So, and, and, but, and this is all based on its trust, but its trust in a community.
0: Very, great 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 insight. Thank you. So that's a different permutation or a different flavor of trust in community versus whoever is trying to sell you something. So the wine salesperson might not have to go to the restaurant and say, we think that your bar should be stocked with XYZ uh, Pinot Grigio because uh, 90% of people we talk to love it. You go to the the community. You trust the community. And the community says, nah, not so much. And the restaurant buys something else. So that would be a, a B2B extension. Michelle, is that OK?
2: Yes, and going to your point, actually, yes. if the normal, the normal uh, company that is selling wine, I'm going to say uh, just through the Internet or just by having a shop and then having people visiting it, they're maybe not going to be able to reach those millennials because the millennials are not going to walk to the shop. They're going to sit in the restaurant, test the wine by accident most of the time. They're going to like it and order it uh, just uh, while they eat. So you need also to rethink your whole uh, sales process, which goes back to uh, what Marco and Alejandro were saying.
0: Thank you. Marco, love to get your input on this, if you don't mind, on the millennial factor in the customer journey. Talk to me.
3: Absolutely, very willingly. Actually, I have two kids, one is six and one is 12, so I can see the difference uh, uh, coming from the new generation. I have to say, uh, generally speaking, I think we are overemphasizing differences, so it's not that uh, millennials are so different. But there is an uh, um, important point that I think, looking at my kids, uh, the barrier, the difference we see uh, between the physical and the digital, for them, is much lower. Uh, absolutely lower than for us. And I reflected on this, and uh, if you think about it, it's it's basically uh, because uh, we consider technology what we saw emerging during our life. So for us, uh, the steam engine is not technology. And for my son, uh, six years old, an iPad is not a technology. But for me, it is. And so we have to definitely consider that uh, for, uh, for millennia, um, the distinction between digital and physical is 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 that by far more more fuzzy than for us and uh as a as another consequence of that uh i think the key principle is simplicity for them they they just expect that uh the information and uh for for any offering uh, is available is simple is accessible is consumable and and this basically puts a lot of um, how can I say requirements on on the design of that customer journey I was talking about before because it's all about the experience you create and it's a mix of digital and physical,
1: but mm-hmm. definitely
3: you have to consider that that mix uh is the perception of that mix is different for for the generations and um, um I see my 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 son playing uh minecraft uh which is a kind of a virtual lego if you want. Mm-hmm. And uh, for him, he moves from the physical Lego to the virtual Lego uh, in a way that uh, I, I wouldn't be able to do. <laughs> and for him, <laughs> the difference is not so strong as for me. Uh, but this is really affects uh, the requirements that a company needs to consider when they when, when design uh, a, a customer experience and the related business processes around that. very important.
0: Thank you very much, Alejandro. Love to get your POV on this. Millennials as buyers, as executives, as leaders, as decision makers. What do you think?
4: I would say that the the combination of of the millennial generation plus digitalization is is the worst nightmare, nightmare of of a traditional salesperson. Basically, uh, all the school sales was about controlling the account. And the, one of the ways you were doing that is basically you were picking which information were going to flow to your customer. You cannot do that anymore. Mm-hmm. People can get access to everything. That's right. And most of the time, the customer in technology industry like us, customers know more than the salespeople. So if you're not the one managing the relationship really, and you're not the one who provides information, which value you bring to the table. And basically, if you don't have a knowledge that you are able to share and this a different for the people talking you're talking to, basically they will not pay attention. So I think that this uh, uh, this combination of millennial and digital uh, uh, create a huge challenge to traditional sales force and the way that We are used to engage B2B customers.
0: Thank you very much. Good wrap-up to that. I appreciate it. Thank you all for uh, entertaining my question. I, I wasn't in our notes, but I thought it would be interesting to see what you say because it's a reality, that M-word. Yes, it is. So let's move on. Marco Chagaina, I'm looking at your notes, and uh, let's see. I want to do another definition of customer intimacy. If you, you think you've already covered this, you can move into something else. But you have a big definition here. Customer intimacy in a digital world means global reach, disintermediation, individualization. you want to pull that out a little more for us, uh, or do you want to go to something else, Marco?
3: No, no, I I can elaborate that. Uh, Yeah. um, Well, in general, I I think we touched it already. So customer intimacy is about the ability to excel in in attention to the customer, understanding the hidden needs, uh, tailoring the offering, uh, taking care of the relationship, uh, um, the question is also what's what's uh, the impact of digital on that, and uh, I, I think there are uh, at least three fundamental uh, strategic themes associated mm-hmm. to that. So one is global reach because uh, digital allows uh, businesses to to scale very quickly. Uh, from uh, From being a local business to be a national regional, and even global um, business, so scalability and global reach uh, is actually a, a feature of uh, of digitalization. Another feature is uh, um, individualization right so and the point is who is the customer? is it a generic category uh, as in the past, uh, very aggregated uh, very generically defined or through digital, you can actually cover the last mile. You can actually uh, profile your user, your, your your buyers, in a way that you truly get a, a high-resolution image of, of him or her. And then, based on that uh, set of data, uh, you can uh, really uh, tailor and individualize your, your offering in a very specific way. So that's what is known as a... Uh, as the segments of one, right? So basically you can really mm-hmm. convert a generic uh, broad definition into a one single individual. And then you have those micro segments that can be built actually based on on data management and technology that that uh, helps you to to collect that high resolution um um profile. The third aspect I think is disintermediation uh and why that deals with with customer intimacy uh If you think in 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 terms of a purely uh, physical world, where everything, uh, where where information is attached to physical uh, objects, then you need um, you need distributors, you need intermediators, and so on. With digital, basically, you jump directly from the company directly to your individual customer, one 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 single leap. And uh, this means basically that you remove intermediaries, and that also uh, is uh, is an opportunity and a challenge in the, on the same time because uh, you basically shorten the path, and mm-hmm. this means you have to be able to manage it. Uh, you have to uh, collect data, but you also have to to process those data. You have to to act on it. You have to provide recommendation. And so you, you get closer, and this is also a challenge and matter of, of design for for a lot of business processes.
0: Thank you, very interesting, Alejandro Pifare. Join us. What do you think about what Marco just shared? A lot of good information.
4: Um, the the point about digital and, and customer intimacy, you can make the whole experience, and relationship, and behavior, something like Switzerland is that things just happen. Customers don't even to make an effort to get your product, to get your services. Everything came at the right time and the right moment in the right way. Uh, the, the, the point is this is tradition of the system in general, the, more, the less effort or the more simple the solution for use is for the customer, the more complex became for the vendor and and somehow you need to go to the basics you can do all these flashy digital things is the mm-hmm. foundation of your technology systems are okay you if i would i just to be a bit more simple you cannot do proper customer intimacy if you do not have the right data about your customers who they are or where they live so uh, before, uh, my recommendation would be before going to the next level, uh, make sure that you have got the uh, basics right.
0: Thank you. Michel Ciglié, want to get you in on this. Thoughts on what Marco started and Alejandro added on to, please.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm going to maybe do it like you just did before. I'm going to add a dimension to it which I believe the mm-hmm. uh, one thing that companies have to look at is actually even, um, given you're individualizing or the customer is expecting in the end something which is fully customized to his needs, even the sales process. Um, you The other way around, companies should also think about leveraging every employee to be part of the sales force because then every employee has a different brand and is going to come across... As a different person, and therefore you're expanding the your own is versatility, is the right word in English. Mm-hmm. Um, because basically you're, you're able to offer more facets of the same company and the same services and the products to your um, outside world. So what we have experienced, and, and this is just at the level of the small team we uh, we had in service innovation at SAP, is that. When, when we all started to communicate externally through blogs, leveraging social media, and so on, which is also part of the digital experience and even from the sales process, you're getting project requests which, um, which are coming, which normally you wouldn't get because customers are just not expecting it from your company. So leveraging the digital world also means that you, you, um, you should, as a company, think about leveraging or tap into all the brands you have in the company.
0: Thank you. I'm gonna move on to a different thread here. I'm looking at Alejandro Pifre's notes and uh there's something that's absolutely shocking to me, Alejandro. I'm I'm teasing a little bit of course. You say digital is not new. We may say this process started in the 1950s and has had a big push forward since the creation of the Internet, but what I'd love for you to talk about, Alejandro, is you're talking about an acceleration of the digitization process in recent years with the combined effect of some words that we have. I haven't heard these put together in a while. Mobile, cloud, big data, and IoT, Internet of Things technology. Can you wrap this up in a package for us, how mobile, cloud, big data, and Internet of Things have pushed digitization to the point where we're talking about it in this context today, please?
4: I can try. Probably my, my colleague here, Mark, is going to be better than me, but at least I will do a, a first a first shot. Okay. Uh, there, there, are, there are some analysis that talk about, I think this is something like the third platform for IDC. Uh, is, we have been dealing with these technologies one by one somehow. Mobile was first, Internet of Things now but the the real effect, the tornado, happens happen when you have, you put all together, um, by the way we have been Marco has been working on us and have been helping there to create a model that uh, you put uh, all these digital technologies in one framework uh, and when you combine these technologies with business topics, very interesting things happen. Um, I can tell you a story uh, at the same workshop. Michelle was talking before uh, uh, that we did uh, the two days ago here in Berlin. Uh, using uh, a framework that incorporates all these technologies together, uh, we were able to make social entrepreneurs, I'm talking about very young people with very little business experience and no IT background, to digitalize their business models. They were doing digital architecture somehow in half an hour. Mm. But these magical effects doesn't happen if you take one of these technologies one by one. That happens when you take all together in an integrated way. Probably Marco, I think I have reached how far I can go with the concept. Can you <laughs> help
0: me with this? Little bit? <laughs> that's why we have a roundtable, Alejandro. Where everybody, everybody helps.
4: I have a, a sense background, so I, I can speak five minutes almost about everything. But then I need the smart people to jump in. You
0: know? anyway you're all, you're all smart, and, and that's the purpose of the roundtable: is everybody contributes their thoughts. So you are safe here. You are safer, Alejandro. Marco, you have been, uh, you have been summoned. Talk to us. Sure, sure. Uh, Well, I think it's, again,
3: about business and IT and and having also this historical perspective. So I think uh, when it comes to business, uh, I think it's actually about the transition from from a uh, product-dominant economy to a service-dominant economy. uh, There is also a lot of uh, academic literature and research in this area that is showing clearly that we are moving from a product-to-service a uh, economy with a lot of implications, including the ones we were before uh, customer centricity uh, in the importance of outcomes instead of products, etc. On the other side, IT, uh, as, as Alejandro uh, mentioned, uh, um, matured to a level where the different IT trends that before were kind of separate uh, converged, and this convergence uh, and the synergies between among among those trends. Creates really uh, what uh, many analysts call the a new uh, a new platform, and uh, Garner speak about this uh, as uh, the nexus. Um, IDC call it the third platform, as mentioned before, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Um, and this basically creates a kind of fabric to again um, uh, integrate these two these separate words uh, in, in, in new ways uh, so that you can recombine um, services, you can recombine resources, you can recombine different types of exchanges uh, to create value, uh, which is very exciting, is also, uh, also, I think, posing um, challenges uh, to companies.
0: Thank you, Michelle Serrier. Uh, let's see. We're just about ready to go to our crystal ball predictions round, but I'd like you to add to what Marco and Alejandro just introduced. Thoughts, Michelle?
2: Uh, well, I, uh, to, to add to what Alejandro was saying, what struck me, and this is coming back because we had basically uh, people a bit more aged than uh, uh, millennials, but they, they're, they were quite close to those people. And to them, as Marco would put it with uh, uh, Minecraft, they they are born with technology, so technology doesn't exist for them because it's it's just part of that DNA, and and that makes it even more complex for technology companies to actually position technology because for them it's it's non-existent. It's just part of everything they do, and uh, that uh, that techniques that uh, Alejandro was talking about um, enabled us actually to uh, to bring back the technology element without speaking about it actually. Into their world and help them to, um, yeah, to leapfrog and and uh, and reach this uh, this digital architecture that we had them work on. But this only works if you reach that customer intimacy because uh, the um, the the point is not to go through uh, the same sales process every time you you talk to a customer, but actually to um, to have a um, to have a certain empathy to make sure that you can adapt what you what. Uh, Depending on whom you have in front of you, and mm-hmm. leverage or the the right tools to uh, um, to then match the expectation or even overachieve the expectation of a customer.
0: Thank you. Well put. Guess what, Michelle? It's time for the crystal ball. Uh, if you want to predict something about your new company, a Lifters, that's fine with me. Otherwise, let's talk about how digital <laughs> will continue. To change the definition of customers and impact customer intimacy. Michelle Serrier, I'm going to give you exactly one minute. That's 60 seconds. Count them fast. Predict for me. I love 2020. You can go any point in the future. Go ahead, Michelle.
2: I I think I'm going to use a provocative title, which is saying a chair is an oxymoron. Um, You could say it doesn't relate uh, to customer intimacy and to digital. But actually, it uh, it it um, it does very much so, because in the in the end, if you if you want to reach customer intimacy um, outside to your customer, it also starts by reaching employee intimacy, and putting mm-hmm. again um, the human resources um, role at the center of everything you do, and taking care of your employees and moving away from uh, the, the type of micromanagement we see a lot because we want to have. Um, very well-oiled execution machines to something which is a lot leaner and uh, a lot more um, employee-oriented and, in the end, mm-hmm. customer um, successful with customers.
0: Thank you. Brief and to the point, appreciated. And let's turn to Marco Cagaina. Marco, I can give you 60 seconds for your predictions. How far in the future and what do you see? Well, I
3: think... Um I think uh, in the next future and moving forward, we will move even more uh, away from a uh, product-dominant logic. So we will really move uh, to a purely service-dominant logic where the customer um, is also a co-creator and where basically everybody uh, is... is, um, uh, it's all about serving each other with, with uh, the respective competencies we have. And so uh, I think in the past uh, it was so rigid and, and so structured, but we will see more and more emerging uh, networks of, of competencies, exchanges of services, and uh, I, I truly believe a uh, key paradigm would be to look at uh, the whole economy as uh, actually a service, uh, a service economy. That, that's key.
0: Thank you very much. And Alejandro Pivere, I saved 60 seconds for you, so you can actually have uh, you can actually have 90 seconds if you talk fast. That's an oxymoron. Go ahead.
4: Thank you, Monique. Um, I think, I don't know if we're going to be in a few years or so take a few more, but we are going to see robots pretty soon as probably co-workers or mm-hmm. even customers. So uh, Entities, we need to engage with them Somehow, uh, robots with robots, people with robots, all these combinations will happen. So, I predict that a new application category will show up, which is robot relation team management. What do you think?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ro- we need robot HR. We've talked about that on a recent show about game-changing okay. HR leaders. How how would you, how do you reprimand a robot? Bob, number 23579. We're not giving you a pay raise this year because you moved that bolt of paper to the wrong aisle for the New York Times on Sunday, and it got printed on green paper, Bob, robot number 20789, whatever. Very interesting. I think we need need to do another show on that. Thank you. Michelle Serrier. Uh, <laughs>
4: Yes. This is not a job because as, as robots will engage, collaborate with people, somehow you That's will right. need to reach robots to reach people. So it's going to be serious business.
0: I know, I was teasing, I was teasing I want to thank wow. Michelle Serrier, <laughs> all the best with your new company, don't go too far away because we know you're coming back Marco Chagaina and Alejandro Piferay thank you and a special shout out to Uska, I finally learned to pronounce the name Uska Olmez at SAP for working with us on this, this has been a really interesting conversation I hope you all agree, we've been speaking about digital evolution, new opportunities for customer intimacy and we really really went all the way around the world on this one great conversation, thank you to my panelists and thank you to Asuka also and my three panelists have been tweeting while they were talking this is a beautiful thing thank you to Justin and the business channel team at World Talk Radio and let's see that's the end of our uh, broadcast week but I'll be back next week with let's see I think we have um, the future of the future with game changers on Tuesday and then Tuesday afternoon we have financial excellence with game changers Wednesday is coffee break with game changers and Thursday morning I think we'll be back with uh, yes meet the visionary game changers 12 series hard to keep the them all straight. I'm Bonnie D. graham and here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Maybe a robot will fasten your seatbelt for you. I don't know. Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you soon. Have a good
1: one. Bye bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.